0: So I'd like you to turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 121, please. And we're going to read the word together, please. It's very easy to find the book of Psalms right in the middle of the Bible, all right? It's also on PowerPoint, isn't it? All right, well, let's let's read God's Word together. It's wonderful to read the Word of God, so let's read Psalm 121 together this morning. All right, let's go. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Help comes from the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. both now and forevermore. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this psalm, Psalm 121. And Lord, I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit will help us to understand this psalm and to apply it in our lives. And I pray, Lord, that you forgive me and use me for your glory and praise. And thank you for the great privilege and honor of serving you and serving your precious people here in your church. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, friends, last week, as you know, I was away in Sydney for uh, the General Assembly of Australia meetings, and I was so encouraged and uh, so blessed, so blessed, really, uh, to sit under the teaching and ministry of God's people, the elders and ministers across the nation. Well, while, while I was in Sydney... I also had some time to go out and catch up with friends. So one evening, uh, we decided to go out for dinner, some of us. And uh, so we went to a place called Mossman. I'm not really sure. I was driving past. Some of you might know Mossman, a nice, lovely, lovely area. And then we went out also to a beautiful lookout somewhere in Sydney, and it was a magnificent view of the entire city and the harbour and everything else was so beautiful. And then. My friend took me on the uh, the harbor bridge in the night, which was so wonderful. And then we went out to a restaurant, as friends, as friends do. It's nice to go to a good restaurant, isn't it? Good food, Italian food, the pasta. Wow, it was superb. Other guys had prawns, chili prawns and all that. So it was, good. It was a good night. It was a great night. Well, after dinner, I, it was a late night. It was a late night. Uh, guys gathering together and, you know, I mean, women... Of course, you talk, and guys do as well. We talk all kinds of stuff, all right? So anyway, I went out, and it was a late night. I was dropped off at a certain point, and I had to walk a fair distance to get back to my hotel. It was late in the night. Well, as I walked down the streets, I felt a bit vulnerable. People said all kinds of things. Oh, watch the streets when you're walking in Sydney. Be careful. You never know what to expect. So I thought, okay, I'm walking down the street. Back to my room, I felt unsafe. All kinds of thoughts were going through my mind. What if what if someone came up to me and demanded my wallet and my mobile phone? Not that there's not much money in my wallet anywhere, <laughs> so you can have it. <laughs> what would I do? What should I do? Should I give it? Should I put up a fight? No, I wouldn't do that. I'll, I'll lose or should I, or should I just run as fast as I could as fast as the answer is I just didn't know what I would do. So I was walking down the street and as I was walking, I thought about this psalm and uh, while I was in Sydney I was preparing this talk for Sunday morning and was, the, the psalm was fresh in my mind. and so I was preparing and thinking about this psalm and I prayed, Lord, you are my protector and my shield. I don't know what to expect, not that I'm all scared, don't get me wrong, but just in case, I'm just trusting you as my protector, you are my help. And that gave me a sense of calmness and, and I've, I felt safe and I went to my hotel room and I said, Lord, it was good to be back here, it's all good. Not that all the streets in Sydney is terrifying, okay? Don't get me wrong, <laughs> it's it's all good. Well, friends, we all want to, be, to feel protected from danger, don't we? We all want to feel uh, protected by, from, from danger. If you're going out in the night, you're coming late at night, you might wonder, well, is it going to be safe? If you're by yourself in your home, uh, am I safe? Safety is one of the most important aspects of our, of our lives. We want to feel safe. Uh, when you buy a car, for example, today, you we want, to, want to know how safe is your car. Right. By the way, speaking of cars, did you know that Mercedes-Benz has released their A-Class car it's a superb car with nine yard bags and a safety standard that doesn't, it's incredible. As soon as I heard the, 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 the ad on TV, I went and did a research on this vehicle. I can't buy it. It's too expensive. So don't <laughs> worry. But uh, we want safety, right? It's going to be safe. You see, in our text this morning, Psalm 121, we read of a psalm that the Israelites often would sing while making their yearly pilgrimage to worship God in the temple in Jerusalem. And for many of them, this was a long and dangerous trip. The journey was long and the traveler was vulnerable. There were dangers that awaited them on many fronts. How would they confront such dangers? How would they face the dangers that would come their way? And so the psalmist here in Psalm 121 speaks about that kind of journey because this is a psalm of ascent going up as God's people to Jerusalem. Now let me say something about the Psalms. The Psalms vary in form. Some of them express great joy. Others are filled with lament and tears. Others are filled with burdens. And the Psalmist challenges God and cries to God. And the Psalms are meant to be instructive about God about man, and about life. And when we read the Psalms, we learn things about God, about human nature, and how life is to be lived. And the Psalms themselves were written throughout the entire period of the Old Testament revelation, from the time of Moses, like Psalm 90, to the period after the exile. And the titles of 72 Psalms ascribe them to David, while others are by Solomon, Asaph, Ammon, and the sons of Korah. And the occasion for this psalm is a psalm of ascent, Psalm 121. And so scholars think that this psalm was probably originally used before a journey to Jerusalem. And so Psalm 121, a song of ascent, refers to the pilgrims on their way ascending to Jerusalem for worship. Just imagine that. A whole group of people walking and making their journey and thinking about these words as they go up to worship God. And so we read for example in the gospels how Jesus as a boy of 12 years of age made the pilgrimage with his parents. He probably would have sung this psalm uh, with his disciples later on in his life. And so today, many people continue to recite Psalm 121 at the beginning of a journey. And so Psalm 121 has been called the traveler's psalm. Right? It's been called the traveler's psalm because of its affirmation of God's powerful and protection upon his people. It's a psalm that marks life's journey, for it reminds us, That the Lord is our keeper from our birth until our death. The Lord is our keeper. And as one writer by the name of James Lindbergh notes, it's a psalm well suited for a farewell. For example, uh, David David Livingstone, the well-known Scottish missionary doctor and explorer of the African continent read this psalm. Before setting out for Africa in 1840, he read this psalm before he left. And Livingstone was one of the greatest missionaries with a heart for Africa. And a few weeks ago, we had an African brother here, right? Remember Edward Nagaya? And what did he say about Africa? Amazing things that God is doing in Africa. And David Livingston would never have imagined when he read this psalm, leaving as a missionary into Africa, that one day God was going to do a tremendous work in Africa through the work of these missionaries. Did you see that? A mission heart for the work. And so let's work our way through this psalm, this traveler's psalm as it has been called. So I like you to keep your Bibles actually open because. It's a good thing to study God's word together. Well, the psalmist says this, I lift up my eyes to the hills, verses 1 and 2. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. You see, the pilgrims would travel to the hilly area of Jerusalem up to three times a year for festivals. And before the journey began, a leader would ask or maybe sing the first line, I lift up my eyes to the hills, where does my help come from? And it's quite possible that the people would respond, our help, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. We need to remember these friends, that there were no roads at the time and the people had to go a long journey. They would cross the valleys. They would go along treacherous areas. They would be traveling for days. Their feet would be soaked. And Jerusalem, the end of their journey, would be seen from afar. And they kept on traveling and suddenly they see the hills of Judah from a distance. And the pilgrims break into song. And the psalmist breaks into song. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? How did the psalmist answer this question? He said, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth tremendous isn't it? With reference to the hills it does not mean that the people were looking to the mountains for help. on the hills throughout the countryside the Canaanites for example followed other gods and they were the, and on the hills they constructed worship sites for other gods. and further Jerusalem was in the hill country as well and also the temple was built on a hill. And therefore, this prompted the psalmist to say, where does my help come from? There's a question, and then there is the answer that the psalmist gives. It comes from the Lord. You see, in Psalm 124, we have these words there in verse 8. Almost identical, Psalm 121, but there's a change. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of Heaven and earth. You see, the psalmist says here in Psalm 121, my help, and then Psalm 124, our help. Right? We see a personal pronoun I, that's the individual aspect of it, and there is the corporate aspect of it. Individually, my help comes from the Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be inborn. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because your rod and your staff, they shall comfort me. And when we come to Psalm 124, there is a corporate aspect to it, our help. You see, friends, as a congregation, our help comes from the Lord, right? It's not any other superpower here doesn't come from anyone else. Collectively, our help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And the psalmist says here, that's both the individual and corporate thing that we need to see here. And see what happens here with the psalmist. See, just notice what he does here. He says, our help comes or My help comes in the name of the Lord, the maker of I lift up my my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. You see, it's the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. This takes us right back to God, our creator. You see, I I, I heard last week, I haven't seen this program, that there was a program on, on TV. It's been recorded. I want to look at it. Maybe some of you saw it. That there are more and more people becoming atheists in Australia. Is that did anyone see that program? Right. Well, it's a project. The project. More and more people are becoming atheists in this country. Why? The forgotten creator? See, this, did this world just come about by itself? See, in the beginning, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And this brings us to the very foundation of the world. It begins with an act of God. God spoke and he became. And according to the Bible, creation is a gift of God. As opposed to naturalism, which is the belief that all things can be explained by natural causes, Christianity explains and proclaims that God is the maker of this world and in his providence keeps this world going day after day, moment by moment, kept by his hand. You see, the Bible opens with the one true and eternal God as creator, maker of heaven and earth. See the Hebrew word that is used here in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 is, is a word that's called bara, which means essentially creation, and people have said it, it incorporates this word creation out of nothing. Out of nothing. See, we can take things that God has given us, example, a seed. And land and plant crops. But in doing so, we are not creating food from nothing. We are using it from the gifts that God has given us in creation. But God spoke and it became. Uh, In my Hebrew class, I I love languages. I'm fascinated with uh, languages. I enjoyed so much of my uh, training on Hebrew and Greek. Uh, I still read uh, Greek uh, chapter as many times as I can every day. Uh, to, to keep up with it, I should be doing more with my Hebrew as well. And I, I memorized, I had to exegete uh, Genesis chapters 1 to 5 in my, in my exegetical studies. And I just memorized Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. I won't say it in the Hebrew, but it, 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 it's, it's a great text because it reminded me always, constantly, that God is the creator. In the beginning, God created. It goes something as "bara Elohim." In the beginning, God He created, and it's it's been in my mind ever since I learned it first. And how important that is! Never did I know at the time that such well such an important text because you get that wrong, and you got everything wrong, right? You get your theology wrong if you deny that God created this world. And in Genesis, we read the creation of Adam and Eve. Let me give you something else about God's wonderful work of creation, the God who made the heavens and the earth. See, Psalm 139, 13 and 14, God says, the psalmist says, for you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. And then the psalmist says this, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. Do you see that? All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to me. You see, God has put us together. Do you see that? The God who made the heavens and the earth. I know I'm going... uh, uh, an extra mile, but when the psalmist says, "My help comes from the Lord, who made the heavens and the earth," we need to remember this: that He is the Creator God, who's made this world, and He has made you, and He has created you and me, and He has made us in our image. And the psalmist says, "My frame was not hidden from you." Every mother knows that that she, as she carries her baby, and she feels the kicks. All over the place. I'm sure, Sarah. must feel that, right? And when I, when when Rose was pregnant, I always used to feel how are the kicks going. Huh? Is it very strong? Is it moving fast? The baby's going all over the place, and it's it's quite exciting, really, isn't it? God puts us together. See, this is the Creator God. Don't put yourself down this morning. Remember that God has created you. There is no one else like you in the rest of the world. That's the creator God. Praise him for that. he created us for a purpose. And so what we see here in Psalm 121, that the psalmist is reminding himself, and perhaps the other pilgrims, that God is the maker of heaven and earth. And the psalmist says that his help comes from this God, the creator God, the God who made everything. And this God can provide everything. For you and for me and for them, this God can protect us. And so he reminds himself and the pilgrims, the Lord who created them to begin with would never abandon them on the road. And so to lift up one's eyes to the hills and confess faith in the one God, maker of heaven and earth and sustainer of creation, is to acknowledge that there is no other God but Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God. What a comfort. Are you comforted by that this morning? You see, our problems are so big, aren't they? Yes, they are. But our God is bigger. The Sunday school kids used to sing, "My God is so strong, so what? So mighty and powerful. There's nothing my God cannot do." Right? Remember that? Mm. Yeah, that's right. I remember those things. My like God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. You see, this is the God that we worship. This is, this is our God. This is the awesome God that we have. And Psalmist says, my help comes from him, from the creator God. Not the hills, our refugees in him. You see, that's what we have. Our confidence is in him. What courage and boldness and hope for these pilgrims as they traveled every step of the way. And the psalmist goes on to explain how this works out in the remainder of this psalm. And he says, he will not let your foot slip. you. watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. It's what they call John Piper, well-known theologian, commenting on, on verse 3a. He says this, about he will not let your foot slip. He says this. He was surprised to find that the word combination depicting the stumbling step in verse 3 is never used in scripture of physical falling. He says in other occurrences it employs it figuratively for someone who is overcome by divine judgment, but for someone who is overcome by personal sin or weakness, or someone who is been oppressed by an enemy. And so when the psalm is declared, therefore, he will not let your foot to slip, he was most likely speaking of the preservation of the saints, of God keeping you. Have you ever climbed a mountain and had a slip? Your foot actually slipped? <laughs> it's not a not a really nice feeling, right? You're up on a cliff somewhere and that happens, boy. But what we have the picture here is God preserving. And keeping his people is the preservation of his saints. The keeping power of our God. That is, God will protect and keep his people. It must be clear that the psalmist is not promising the absence of pain. He is not promising a prosperity gospel. I was actually uh, speaking with Legan Duncan on this. Uh, I was uh, uh, taken on the Chancellor of Reformed Theological Seminary in Jackson, Mississippi. And I said to him, what do you think the psalmist is saying? I thought I'd check his mind out on this. And I said, what about people who go through suffering and pain? How does this fit in? He said, no Chris, we need to look at the beyond. Not just the year and the now. That God will protect and preserve his people, not just now but also into the future. All the way into eternity. So in this life, there will be pain. There will be suffering. There will be trials. But God says, the psalmist says, our help comes from him. He will preserve you. And he who watches over you will not slumber. As opposed to the false gods, the God of Israel does not sleep. He does not get tired. We do, don't we? Right In Sri Lanka, people stop working around 3 o'clock. Oh, no, not all. Not all people. And usually there's a cat nap. If you can have a nap in the afternoon because it's a hot day and people want to have a bit of a sleep... It gives more energy after that, I think. Our God doesn't get tired. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't need a catnap. Our God is a living, active God. You see, I think of Elijah. I won't go into that text this morning. You see Elijah in, in 1 Kings chapter 18 and the prophets of Baal. You can read it. I won't go into all the, the background here this morning. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. That is the prophets of, uh, of Baal. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a God. Perhaps he is in deep thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. Remember that story? But God is not sleeping. He is in constant watch over our lives. He will not slumber. He will not take time out. He does not doze off. He is our watchman. In fact, four times we see this in the passage uh, this morning. See, when someone asked uh, the Greek general Alexander the Great as to how he could sleep so soundly when he was surrounded by so much danger and threatened uh, in his life, Alexander the Great said this, he could sleep soundly because his guard, Parmenio, was on watch. Therefore, he could sleep because the guard was on watch and he put his security and safety on that guard. So for us as well. We don't have a Parmenio... We have a God who watches over you. Does he not? He watches us every step of the way. Sometimes we feel he does not. But he's always there. So the psalmist goes on. Keep going on. In 5 and 6, The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The sun and moon. You see, there is danger of sunstroke for the pilgrims on their journey. The moon is mentioned because... The harm could come in the night. You see, it was scary in the night. And the psalmist is using figurative language, such as sun and moon, to make the point that nothing by day or night can harm God's people because the Lord watches over you. He's our shade. He's our help. He's our keep. The hills are not our refuge. God is. And see what the psalmist says. The Lord will watch over will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. See, there are four things that we have there, particularly mentioned. The Lord will keep you from all harm. The Lord will watch over our lives. The Lord will watch over our comings and goings. The Lord will do all of this, both now and forevermore. Think about it. Yes, we have trials. Yes, we have battles. Yes, we carry heartaches. Yes, there is sickness. Yes, there are trials. But in all of this, ultimately, God watches over us. Whatever may happen is the providence of God that keeps us going. Do you trust him this morning? Do you know this God? You see? Some have more trials than others in life. I remember... A fine Christian man. As I prepared this text, my thoughts went to him. Whose wife suffered MS, the It's a dilapidating disease. He had a young family. A great Christian man. It amazed me. It amazed me. I knew this man about 20 years ago. Right here in Australia. It's almost as fresh as today. It amazed me to see how he dealt with his wife. He cared for her so lovingly. He helped with the kids. He carried on with his work so that he could provide for his family. And at times he would move his wife in a wheelchair. And the church family was so supportive of him and his family. And little did this man, little did this man know, realize that a guy like Chris Rivera was watching him from the sidelines. And what did I pick up from him? A man of faithfulness who trusted his God and whose help came from the Lord. And I was observing that. I forget everyone else, but I remember that guy today. Why? Because here was a man who showed that care and God was his help. You see, three examples and we're going to wind up. Sometimes we might feel all alone, don't we? Does God really help? You see, Peter for example, in Matthew chapter 14, he was walking on water, he began to sink. He cried out, help me. And who was there? Jesus came and helped him. I'm reminded of Stephen, the martyr in Acts chapter 7 and 6. 6 and 7. Stephen was being stoned. And his face was. Come on, anyone, what was his face? Did he look so doggy? No. It was shining and when he was being stoned, what did he say to those who were stoned who were stone in him? I see the heavens open and I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Christ was with him. And then I tell you this, another story and this is a sad one in Paul's life, in Paul's life in second Timothy chapter 4. It's very sad, really. This is Paul the Apostle, okay? At my first defense, verse 16, No one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. And in verse 17, a classic, absolutely classic text here. But the Lord stood at my side. The Lord stood at my side. Everyone had gone all his friends, everyone else. The Lord stood at my side. You see, that is our help, friends. God is our help. He stands by our side. He perseveres with us. He preserves us. He protects us. And he provides for us. The God of providence and protection is what we see coming out in this psalm. The Lord is my helper. You see in in Hebrews chapter 13, the author to the book of Hebrews says this, So we have with confidence, so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? And we read the Greek text there that says, Lord is my helper. You see, the word for helper comes from two words, which means to cry, which means to run for help. The idea here is that of a child crying and the father or mother running to help the child. All of you are parents, all of us who are parents know what this means, don't we? I remember when our kids were growing up, we had this monitoring device. We had a... a, a, a device that we kept in their bedroom or in the corridor, and we had the monitor system in our room. And so they didn't know this, but every time they cried, we heard it. Right? And I also get up, or Rose would get up from the bed and run to their room and see that everything was okay. and settle them back into bed. See, that's what we have in Hebrews. It's just like a child crying for help. And the idea here is the one is crying for help, and the helper comes and helps him. So I'll tell you this story. In Sri Lanka, there are lots of beggars. One day, my dad, he said, son, be in the car. I'm just going. I parked the car on the pavement. I'm just going to this shop. I'll get some things and come for you. He locked the car. I was in the car as a little kid. And then there was a beggar man who came with a long beard, with a stick. And he put his head near the window. And you guess what, man? I just cried. I just cried. Oh, help me, dad. Where are you? And I put the window down, Dad, come in. I was not to do anything wrong to me. I just was so scared. My dad came to the car and I was so happy. My father was with me. See, it's a picture of a father who cares for his children. That's our God, friends. That's our God. God is our helper. Therefore, let us be comforted this morning. Let us be confident this morning. Our helper has come in Jesus. Emmanuel, God, with us. He would never leave you. He would never forsake you. And as I close this morning, you see, I read Revelation chapter 7. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. And then notice the words. The sun will not be down on them, nor in his scorching heat. Nothing will be able to touch his people. Right? In heaven. God's people are safe and secure for the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd and He will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Do you trust this God this morning? Is He your helper? Are you carrying a burden today that you cannot bear? Is your heart so heavy? Are there pressures that come upon you in your home, in your family, as a father, as a mother, as a child? Are things so bad, so bad, that you wonder whether God is there? I want to encourage you to look at this psalm today and to say, God is our help. My help comes from him, the maker of heaven and earth. Amen. Lord, thank you that our help comes from you. Perhaps, Lord, this morning there is someone here who is carrying a massive burden, a burden that is too big to bear. Perhaps there is someone here who is going through a real crisis of confidence and faith, Perhaps there's someone here who is so downcast. Lord, I pray this morning in your in the name of Jesus that you will reach down to such a person and give them strength, Lord. For our help comes from you. God, you are our help. Amen.